this morning and seeing the kids in here as Family Sunday. What a joy it's going to be to worship together as a whole body of Christ. Um, just invite you to stand with us as we sing.
praise you, Jesus. We praise you in this place this morning.
love you so much. We can't do anything without you, Jesus, and we don't want to. We love you, and we just uh, want to glorify your name this morning. Um, we're waiting here for you, Holy Spirit. You are the one that we're waiting for because we can't do anything without you, Jesus. We just want to honor you this morning. We just ask that um, each heart and each mind would be open to you this morning, that we would uh, be sensitive to your spirit this morning, um, that, that we would have soft hearts to hear the message that you have for us this morning. Um, Jesus, it's a challenging one, it's, but it's one that we want to uh, absorb. It's one that we want to live up to, Jesus. And so... Um, we're, we're here for you. We're waiting here for you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and take your seats. My name is Curtis, and we've got... My name is Breger Wade. Breger. <laughs> um, we're glad to be here with you this morning. Um, if you're new here, we just want to welcome you and uh, let you know that we've got coffee and donuts out on the patio, so check those out. We've also got bathrooms behind the stage wall. You can head down these hallways here and find those. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah. One second before we get into the uh, announcements. If we uh, have a seat next to us, can we squeeze in a little bit? We're all part of yeah. the body of Christ. We should all be comfortable next to each other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Jump, squeeze in, you know, move to the middle if you need. Um, is anybody at the back looking for a spot? We got a few seats in the middle up yeah. here. Yeah, we got, we got some spots. Over in that row. Yeah, yeah. So come on, come on up. Got a couple people coming down. If you want to raise your hand, if you've got an open seat by you, yeah. Cool. Well, right. welcome. Yeah. Today is uh, Family Sunday. Uh, everyone first grade and up will be in the sanctuary here today with their family. Um, and this happens one every four Sunday, or four Sunday of every month, actually. So it's really special to just have the youth come in and be able to hear a message from Steve and just learn with their parents what their parents are learning. It's really nice. Um, and it's just a great way to grow in the faith so yeah yeah exactly and learn from your parents and they can set an example for your kids and uh it's just an amazing thing we really value that around here uh if you need anything if you're new here we've got an info center at the back and uh two lovely people there who would love to help you so um yeah jump, head back there if you need anything at all um and then also we've got a worship and prayer night coming up so that's not this or not night it's a morning. I did the same thing Jeremy did. Usually worship and prayer happens in the evenings, right? Am I just, it just comes out as a night. It's a morning, okay? 8 a.m. is not the nighttime. That's the morning. So worship and prayer next Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday, but it's October 4th. Uh, come check that out. It's going to be really sweet. Just a great way to, you know, kick off the week, the second day of the week, and it'll be really good. Yeah. And then on October 9th, we have Pastor Appreciation Day. Um, I messed this up last service, so glad I got it right this time. Uh, so we are going to be celebrating our pastors here and everything they've done for us. Uh, we thank you for Steve and Jeremy. So just give them some love uh, in a few weeks on the 9th. Um, just appreciate them. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, bring a gift, you know, if you feel so led, or a card or something. Um, they're great. They've, they've been amazing. Um, so also, the last thing is that we're going to have 
Darren from Child Evangelism Fellowship come up and he's going to share a little bit about what they're doing in their ministry and uh, it's going to be great. So let's, uh, let's give Darren a warm welcome here. Hey, thank you so much. I just wanted to start out by just thanking you for all your, your support and partnership in reaching uh, the children of the Central Coast for Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about, and uh, helping people do that. Uh, I wanted just to share a little story with you this morning, and it really just starts with a couple who uh, love the Lord very much. They had a son, and they tried to point him to Jesus. They tried to raise him up uh, the way they thought God wanted him to do, but... He made some decisions in his own life to, to not let God be a part of it. And uh, that was just a, a heartbroken thing. You know, as a parent, that's the, the hardest thing you can have happen is to have uh, your child reject the one that you love so much. And so he grew up, he got married, he had two wonderful girls of his own. And uh, those parents, now grandparents' hearts went out again because they're seeing these two precious girls be raised up not even necessarily being pointed to the Lord at all. And so they started having some conversations with their son, just asking, is there any way we can bring the girls to church with us? And every time they brought it up, it was a point of contention. And every time they brought it up, he said no. Uh, but more time passed. The girls got a little bit older. And uh, they, they brought it up again. They said, you know, there's this, this program that's going on. It's called Good News Club. And would it be okay if the kids went to that? They will learn about the Bible. And they will learn about God. But would it be okay if we picked them up each week, took them to that program, and brought them home? And they gave the green light. They said, yep, you know what? We're okay with that. You can take them to the Good News Club. And those girls came. The older one in particular was just super eager to learn. Every week in Good News Club, we're sharing a Bible story, something right out of God's Word. The stories turn into lessons because God's Word is meant to instruct us. And there's a little memory verse that they'd learn every single week where they actually hide God's Word in their heart. And there's there's songs that, that are based in biblical truth that the kids get to learn. And so um, why I'm sharing you with this this morning is I got a little snippet into something I wouldn't normally get to see, but it's so exciting and encouraging to know that God's working in ways that we can't plan or make happen on our own. And the, the grandparents were invited over to dinner one night. And they're there at the, the, the dinner table with their son, his wife, and two daughters. And they've been coming to Good News Club for a little while. And the interesting thing was, this wasn't even a song that I normally even teach in Good News Club. So I know God was doing something. I, I don't think I was just feeling nostalgic. I think God just said, hey, let's do this this week. And um, out of nowhere, this little girl turns to her dad and looks at him. And she sings... Oh, friend, you love Jesus. This is his little girl. He loves her. He cares about her. He doesn't want her to feel rejected, and he knows the song because he was raised learning it. And he got kind of red, according to the grandparents. And then he kind of muffled out, Oh, yes, I love Jesus. <laughs> and his daughter jumped right on it. She says, are you sure you love Jesus? <laughs> and, and there's dad, and it's a little awkward, but he's like, I'm sure I love Jesus. <laughs> and then the song goes on, and she didn't miss a beat. Why do you love Jesus? 
And here he goes. Because he first loved me. Right? And then there's a whole chorus, and they sing it all together as a family at this table, half of them believing what was sung and half of them not. But that was still God at work in a way that I could never plan for or make happen. But the Holy Spirit could do mighty and incredible things. And so um, that girl put her trust in Jesus Christ and Good News Club. And a couple years later, her younger sister did the same thing. And uh, we kept in contact for years. And um, they came back and would visit the club, even as teenagers, and came back and asked for tools and resources on how to share their faith with their peers when they got older, too. And so uh, there was just a, a really cool ongoing thing. I got to see them grow up and, and embrace God with their whole hearts and lives. Um, and so that's why we do this. That's why we, we're out there because, you know, those two girls and so many others don't get to decide whether or not they're brought to a wonderful place like this on Sunday morning. They don't get to make the choice on whether they go to Sunday school or sit out in a congregation with their parents like so many kids are here today. They're, they're stuck at home, not because they want to be there, because they're not allowed to come. And so that's why we're taking the good news to them. That's why we're trying to take Sunday school to the public school and have a little Bible class right there where they are because so many parents are willing to let their kids go to that club, but they're not willing to bring them here on Sunday morning. But the good news is God's not finished. When they receive Christ, they go home and they start bugging them to come to a place like this on Sunday morning. And we've seen that happen. Our whole families end up in church because of one child receiving Christ and God working through that child's life and the lives of their families and the lives of their parents. Uh, but on those school grounds, we, we want to take the gospel to kids, but we also want to give the kids that are there that know Jesus an opportunity to share their faith with their unsaved friends and invite them to a club that they'll be more likely to attend. And so we appreciate your prayers and support. If that's something you'd like to actively get involved with, I'll be back there at the table in the back. If you feel God's calling you to help make that happen and move that forward, let us know. You don't have to be like this incredibly skilled Bible teacher. We need people that can walk kids to the bathroom and serve snacks and hand out prizes. So uh, we come alongside you. We equip you. We give you everything you need uh, because God's given all of us everything we need. He's given us himself. So we thank you for helping us to share him with others and for being a part of it in whatever way God has called you to. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, yeah, if you want to uh, get more information from Darren, uh, yeah, he'll be at the table at the back, like you said. And uh, now we're going to be dismissed to get up and mingle with people around you, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks.
Come on back. <laughs> hey, welcome. It is Family Sunday. You know what that means, don't you? That means young people share with me their jokes. And I have the privilege of sharing with you the jokes. And so this is from Olivia Harvey. And she says, what has no body and no nose? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So I owe Olivia five bucks. I actually gave, where is she? She's right here somewhere. I gave, there she is. I gave $10 away already today because the deal is I pay for jokes for little guys. Uh, you know, little kids, I gave them five bucks per joke. So I, um, I owe Olivia. So come see me next week and there might even be interest involved. There might be. I don't know. I can't make any promises. But um, I got another joke that I actually paid 10 bucks for. Now he owes me a joke. I only had a $10 bill. He said, um, why was the diver embarrassed? Because he saw the ocean's bottom. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. There's just no question. It'd be embarrassing. It'd be embarrassing. Hey, I just want to say thank you to a few people. I want to say thank you to Jeremy, who's just been a, doing a great job the last couple Sundays. I don't know where he is, but yeah, he provides just some great messages. I want to say thank you. Uh, say thank you to so many Harvest Church people who, like dozens of people volunteered for the Lifeline Banquet. We had filled up three tables and then dozens of volunteers helping to serve and kind of make that night possible. And I'm so, just in a humble way, so proud of you all and so thankful that Harvest Church, you're just people that just want to serve and take care of business. And I'm so, just so thankful and so grateful to be a part of who we are and what we're doing. Yeah, Paul? Is that the banquet? Yeah. It was, on volunteer-wise, it was probably 80% Harvest Church wow. and 20% the rest. Yeah. So, big, big thank you to all of them. Wow, yeah, thank you. 80% of the people. Yeah, Kathy, go ahead. I guess we're sharing. Go ahead, Kathy. <laughs> What's this for? Is this for, for Olivia? Yes. What about the interest? <laughs> I did. No, no, no. I said that I would give her interest. Who else has got a $5 bill? Olivia, come on up here. Who else has got a five? This, I promised interest. Anybody else got five? Nobody's got five bucks. There it is. Olivia, thanks, Amanda. That's for you. Thanks for the joke. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Olivia. I love giving kids money. It just makes their whole day. They're so happy about it. They can go to in and out and buy a hamburger. They can go buy whatever they want. It's just so much fun. <laughs> hey, also, thanks to everyone who came out yesterday for the Harvest Festival. Uh, we haven't had the Harvest Parade, the festival, for a couple years. And so things are kind of back to normal. And I, as I walked around the parade route talking with people, everybody was so happy. Everybody was like so grateful to be back outside and nobody was wearing masks. Everybody was just enjoying each other. And so thanks to everyone. We had dozens of people coming out for that. Gave out hundreds of bottles of water and hundreds of balloons. And, um, and we were just, just engaging the community and just loving on people. It's so much fun. So thanks to everyone who is just a part of what we do around here. You're having an impact in wonderful and supernatural ways, ways that we won't even be fully understanding until we get to the other side. And, and, 
and have an experience and encounter and conversation with people who've been touched by what you've done. So thank you very, very much. Hey, we're taking a little break from our study in First Peter today, taking a break from that. And uh, it just makes sense. Jeremy took a break from it for the last couple of weeks. And so we're in what is called the identity series, our identity series. And so in this identity series, we're going to be talking about our core values. We're going to be talking about our mission statement, our purpose statement. We're going to be unpacking a little bit, not all of it, but our statement of faith. And the idea is just to kind of remind us. The last time I talked about these things, were back, it was back in 2014. So it's important that we kind of revisit these core values from time to time. We're actually working on getting the core values posted in here. We just haven't done it since we've opened this space. Uh, we've got our mission statement on the window out there that says impacting our community and our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. That's just what we're all about. And so as we talk about our core values over these next four weeks, the core values are kind of what, uh, they, they act as the wheels on which we move forward as a church. And so uh, we can, who, knew, who remembers the first core value? Mike Ferris? We're committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ, right? We're, what's the next one? Confident in the word of God. This is going to be like rote here pretty quick. Confident in the word of God. What was number three? Called. Love all people. And number four, created to serve God and others. And so they're all C words in the beginning. So it just kind of helps us to understand um, what God has called us to. And uh, the, again, these are kind of the wheels um, that we move forward on. We've got an old trailer at the house. And we've had this trailer for years, and it's just a small trailer, but we use it for making dump runs and just moving stuff. And we realized just in the last, I don't know, couple months or so that the wheels are really getting bad. The tires are just pretty worn out. And so we're actually going to be uh, loaning it out to a guy who's going to take it down to Southern California. And we're like, we got to get new wheels on this thing. If we don't, the, if you don't put new wheels on the the trailer is going to become pretty worthless, right? And then it, uh, what happens with the trailer kind of gets put to the side of the property and it becomes kind of a catch-all. It becomes worthless. It's not really being used for what it has been created for. And so we have to be careful as a church that we're doing what God has created us to do, that we're, uh, that we're completing the work that God has called us to complete. And so if we don't keep focused by moving forward on truth, that truth helps us to make wise choices about how to move forward in ministry. Because as you know, there's probably a thousand different things that we could be doing in the ministry, but these core values help us to decide, is this the right thing? Does this align with our core values? Does this keep us moving forward with our purpose and our mission and what God has created us to do some 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago? And so we're going to be talking about core values for the next four weeks, again, taking a break from the series. And uh, I think it's just going to be really, really good. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. I planned first service to get through all of the message. I just could not. I got 28 minutes and I just will, I will get through one point. Yeah, if it's turned out to be like first service, so that's all right. Then we'll make the point and uh, God will have his way. So with that, let's take a moment and pray and then we'll jump in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful to speak truth to us. God, we want to be faithful to have ears to hear and eyes to see. God, we want to listen. We want to hear. <laughs> we want to see. We want to respond in Jesus' name. So Lord, teach us. Lord, help us to honor you with our attitude with our response and with our lives. Lord, we love you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10. Genuine 
Christianity begins, it actually begins and ends with the simple and sincere acknowledgement of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. This is where it all begins and ends. Where is Jesus in our lives? Does he hold the place of authority, the position of authority in our lives? Is Jesus the Lord of our lives? It seems like a small thing. This attitude, though, represents the greatest of all Miracles. It's a supernatural thing for us to realize that we have a desperate need for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. While it, co- while it cost God nothing to become Lord of creation over creation, it cost him greatly to become your Lord. He died on the cross so that he might become your Lord. He sacrificed himself so that he might become your Lord. And so it cost him greatly to become your Lord. And he's challenging us today in the scriptures, really of in the Old and the New Testament. It's all the same message. It's all the message of lordship and leadership. Is God in charge of our lives? And are we allowing him to be in charge of our lives? I was talking to with a guy, young guy, 22, 23 years old after first service. And he said, you know, I've heard this message about lordship a lot, um, but I don't, I don't understand it. What does it mean, you know? And that's a great question. I thought, well, where in your life do you think that Jesus is not the Lord? And so he began to think, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can think of some areas. I said, well, so what are you going to do about that? I, I said, you know, life is about deciding that Jesus is you know, the Christian life is about deciding that Jesus is Lord and then getting up every day and doing something about it. So in your life where you are pretty sure that you're not following the Lord, you just make a course correction. You open up the scripture, the word of God, and you allow the spirit of God to direct you. And you say, yeah, this is not actually, as I read the word, it's not properly reflecting my actions, my words, thoughts, deeds. I, there's actually some things in my life where I'm not following the Lord. So I challenged this young man. I said, well, so if there are things in your life, lordship means that you're saying yes to the change. It's just that simple. It's not, yes, I said, you don't have to get up and pray about what socks you're going to wear. I said, you can do that, but that's not what we're talking about, right? We're not talking about that. We're just saying, hey, in the arena of your life, Does God get to direct you? Does he get to lead you? Is he the Lord of your life? And he said, okay, I'm starting to get it. I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He's like, well, I guess I'm just going to begin to let the Lord lead in every area of my life. And that's all we're talking about. We sometimes compartmentalize God and we say, well, God can be Lord, leader over this area, but not the other Areas is, is Jesus is, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Does Jesus have first place and first priority in your life? In a scene from C.S. Lewis's spiritual allegory, The Chronicles of Narnia, a young girl named Lucy is sent on a great mission by the Christ figure, Aslan, the lion. 
as she travels by night, she notices this great beast sitting on a hill illuminated by a full moon. Excitedly, Lucy runs to him and throws herself into his soft and silky mane. Aslan rolls over and Lucy finds herself flying between his paws, looking up into his large face. Aslan, you're bigger, Lucy says. <laughs> In close proximity, you're really, really big, the majestic creature answers. That is, well, that's because you're older, little one. Lucy, confused by this remark, asks, not because you are, like, not because you are bigger? Aslan assures her, I am, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that just a powerful reality? And so the part of the process in our lives as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ is this process of sanctification where we become more and more like God and less and less like our old selves. And so in that process of sanctification, we realize, recognize, evaluating our lives that, hey, God's not got lordship in this area of my life. And so as we grow in faith, trusting Jesus over the course of our lives, Believing God over the course of our lives, we have a greater capacity to see the bigness of God. And so in seeing the bigness of God, we have the capacity to trust him and allow him to be the Lord of our lives in a more significant way. And so every time we're made aware an area of our lives where he's not the Lord, we're able to say, hey, I think maybe in days or weeks or months past, you didn't have the grace or the faith for it, but now you see the bigness and the capacity and the strength and the power of God. And you're saying, you know what? I know that I can trust Jesus with this area of my life as well. And in that area of your life, you're able to grow in, uh, in maturity and the Lordship of Jesus Christ becomes more obvious and more evident in your life. You may be struggling to believe that God is big enough to be Lord. Maybe in some areas he's big enough in your mind and understanding, but in other areas he's not big enough. You don't think highly, you don't have a great, a clear perspective on about who he is. I, I would just encourage us, and it's all part of the process for every single one of us, that we would grow into a place of maturity whereby we're able, year after year, to trust him more and more, to allow him to be Lord. Maybe it's Lord of your marriage, finances, time, hobbies, relationships. <laughs> you pick. There's probably thousands of things that we can kind of evaluate in our lives and ask this question, is, is Jesus Lord? Is he Lord of this area of my life? Is he Lord of that area of my life? Is he Lord of every area of my life? And so when Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's an amazing peace 
that follows that decision. You know, the world's trying to sell us all kinds of ways, you know, to find peace or joy, contentment, happiness, and it's all dead-end roads. It's all a distraction to keep us from really trusting the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Right? So if we're not careful, we're following the wrong path, the wrong way, and it's going to take us down a path of destruction. So when Jesus is Lord of our lives, we begin to experience all of the things that the world is trying to cram down our throats, convince us that will make us happy and satisfied and content. We have peace. We have direction. We have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've been talking with a few people this week who have lost loved ones in their lives. And yet they still have the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and the confidence in God. There's a sadness for sure. But the Bible says we don't weep as the world weeps without hope. We have, we have hope. And so there's problems that will come. There are circumstances that are going to be unfavorable in our lives, but when Jesus is Lord, we can trust him because we're not in a bad place because we made a bad choice. We're in a bad place just because it's life and bad things happen. If I'm in a bad place because I made a bad choice and I'm just beating myself up, I'm like, ah, whatever. But if I'm in a bad place just trying to follow Jesus, I'm like, Lord, this is your deal. I'm going to trust you. I believe you. You're the Lord of my life. And so what do you want to do with this? What do you want to do with this? There's just a great confidence that accompanies, not arrogance. There's no place in the kingdom for arrogance, but there's plenty of space in the kingdom for confidence, confidence in who God is and what he's all about. When Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we can have a great deal of confidence. So without... Lordship, we kind of act as a, a maverick. We're kind of on our own. Last night, Jolene and I were watching this Alaska. I love these outdoor shows. You know, these guys, all these people, they're, they're trying to create like a community in, you know, deep in Alaska, uh, 200 miles from civilization. And it's all of these people trying to come together. And they're all trying to work together for a common good to create a place where they can live. And so they've got 100 days before the winter sets in. And when winter sets in in Alaska, you can't be like in a pub tent, right? You have to be like prepared. Like you don't want to be in a lightweight little bag and a pub tent because you will, you will freeze to death, right? And so they're trying to work together, but there's this one maverick guy who's just, just irresponsible and he's only working for his own gain and for his own purposes. And, and it's so frustrating to watch because you know winter's coming. You got 100 days to get ready for winter, and if you're a maverick, separated from the lordship of Jesus Christ, separated from the body of Christ, when winter comes, you're going to be all alone. Uh, so we were watching this, frustrated at this guy. We're like, dude, get a clue. <laughs> right? But we do the same thing in the church. We're like, act as mavericks, independent spirits. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't want to be a part of the body of Christ because we kind of got to figure it out. And so we want to do our own thing. And we don't want somebody else to tell us what to do, Right? That's just humanism, human nature, the root of all sin, right? Don't tell me what I got to do. Jesus asked in Luke 6, 46, a pointed question. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? 
<laughs> right? Jesus can ask those hard questions, right? Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I tell you to do? It's the fundamental essentials of our faith if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So the, the gateway to our faith, to our understanding as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ is lordship. We can't move forward as believers without lordship. We will stagnate and we will backslide and we will get lukewarm and we will fall away if Jesus is not the Lord of our lives. This is the only way forward. Now we can look religious and do all kinds of things that look pious, but if Jesus is not the Lord of our lives, it's, it's, it's a pointless journey. It's an empty pursuit. Without lordship, we are left with a system without salvation. And this is what Jesus was up against in the first century. As we read Romans 10, we see that Jesus was immersed in a system where religious activity was happening all around him. But the salvation that came through Christ the Lord was, was not being experienced by the religious people of his day. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 1, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. So if you travel anywhere in the Middle East and go to Israel, it's just a very religious part of the world. And so you walk around, you see religious activity happening all over the place. People have religious hats and clothes and beards and sideburns and, and, and decorations on their bodies. There, there's religious activity happening all throughout the Middle East. Lots of praying, lots of religious activity, lots of, of enthusiasm and zeal. But as Jesus confronted the religious leaders of the day who were much like the people in the 21st century in Israel in the Middle East. There was a lot of enthusiasm and zeal, but enthusiasm and zeal don't lead to salvation. Enthusiasm and zeal, it, it leads to dutiful religious activity. Dutiful religious activity. Like I just want to kind of be looking religious, but I don't want my life changed because in order to get my life changed, I need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that seems like a big leap. And so we fall into this trap of dutiful religious activity. And we measure our spirituality by church attendance and by giving and serving. And those things are all okay as long as they're put in their proper order. So if we're going to church and giving and serving because our lives have been transformed, because we've been born again, because Jesus has changed us and saved us and redeemed us, then, then that's the right path. But if we're trying to put the cart before the horse and try to go to church and give and serve because we're trying to get the favor of God, then we've just got it all backwards. We've got a system of religion without salvation. None of these things, apart from Christ, lead to salvation. They may be good, but they can't save you. In fact, some of these religious things that we end up doing can actually keep us from a right relationship, the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives because we're looking at things backwards. We're like, well, I'm, look at all the good things I'm doing. Look at all the activity. Look at all my busyness. We say, well, that's 
good enough. And so we miss, like the first century Jews, we miss what Jesus was trying to communicate. The good news says, my grace is sufficient. You can't actually earn your salvation. We'll see that here in just a moment. So the truth is, salvation comes to those who recognize their inability to impress God or gain his favor through their own works and then come to God through the finished work of Christ. And even as I think about that and communicate that, any burden to perform is lifted, right? Because we're not here to perform, we're here to live in relationship with Jesus, where he gets to lead and be Lord of our lives. So God has prescribed a way <laughs> of welcoming people into his kingdom, and his name is Jesus. It's just Jesus, Jesus told Thomas in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Back to Romans 10, verse 3 says, For they, the Jews, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Refusing to accept God's way, they come up with their own way trying to get right with God. There's only one way to be right with God, and that's through the person, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. James 2.10 reminds us, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he's guilty of it all. So if you keep one through nine, but don't get ten, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. So the law was given so that we would recognize our desperate need for grace. Romans 10.4, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So what's the purpose of the law? Romans 3.19, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. Its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world, the entire world, the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So take the Ten Commandments off your wall and get it in your heart. The greatest commandment, love God and love others. It's all of the commandments, the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Love God and love others. So God first, and out of your love for God, you will love others really, really so much, so much, so much better. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So without lordship, we are left with a system without salvation. So Jesus came that we might have the fullness of abundant life. A religious system apart from lordship is a broken system, and brokenness always begets brokenness. So we can't rely on a broken system to bring healing and wholeness to our lives. A broken system will always bring brokenness into 
our lives. So where in your life is Jesus not Lord? Where is Jesus in your life not honored as first in priority? King, leader, the one who can declare to us the way forward. Where in our life, sometimes we compartmentalize God and say, in this area, God, I trust you, but not in this area. So what are you going to do about that revelation when you realize it's in this area that I haven't been trusting him to be Lord? Well, I'll tell you to do what this young man, I told this young man to do after first service. I said, just, just get up in the morning, open up the Bible, <laughs> right? Like open up, I said, because you'll get the same message in the old in the New Testament, 66 books of the Bible with one message, and that one message is pointing us to Jesus. Same God in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. Not two separate gods, one God, eternally existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. His truth is immutable. God is immutable. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is the Old Testament telling us about lordship? Well, we can look at Moses' life and say, well, Moses was a stutterer. Yet God called him to go to Pharaoh and to deliver the people of God out of Egypt. That just doesn't make any sense, right? Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's household. He had the riches and the wealth and the power and esteem prestige of, of royalty. And yet he chose to honor God and to be a, a, an instrument in the hands of God. So what, do we, what can we glean from that? Well, God uses broken people. Ah, good. All right. Is that, today, is that true today? <laughs> it better be. I'm not up here because I got something going on. I'm broken altogether. What else can we learn about that? What else? Go ahead. I'll just let somebody else speak up. Go ahead, Neil. He equips. He equips. So who equips? He equips, right? So Moses is a stuttering guy. And so what happened? God equipped and released into the work of ministry. What about Joseph when he's in prison? Falsely accused, right? Falsely accused of inappropriate behavior. And so he's in jail <laughs> because he's been falsely accused. So where's the, how do we see lordship in that scenario? What did Joseph do when he was falsely accused sitting in a jail cell uh, for no fault of his own? What did he do? Well, we know that he honored the Lord. And, and every responsibility that he was given, he, like cream, rises to the top. He did it with excellence. And he was given authority over the jail. jail and he just kept a tender heart, right? When things were unfair, he kept a tender heart. He could have gotten hardened up. So what can we learn in the Old Testament about lordship? Tender heart keeps us usable. A pliable heart makes us uh, capable of being used by God. What about the fishermen the, the, on, the sea, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee? They're fishermen. These guys are blue-collar fishermen. They're untrained, uneducated. And Jesus walked by and said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? They, why? Did it make any sense? Often we're trying to make sense of what God's calling us to do. And we're making our decisions out of here instead of out of here. 
we're deciding on what uh, we'll do for God based on what we can calculate or understand or make sense of in our brains instead of asking this question, Lord, is this what you're calling me to do? And out of that awareness and out of that clarity, because when Jesus is Lord of our lives, we get clarity about things that we've never had clarity about. And so when we sense a calling and an urging in our soul, we, we can press in and say, Lord, is this what you're calling me to do? Is this what you're asking me to do? It makes no sense. It didn't make any sense for Jesus to call uh, the 12 that he called. It just made no sense. Who did he call, though? He called those that were willing, and he equipped, and he sent them out. And we're still talking about them 2,000 years later. Some 6,000 years, we're still talking about them. Why? Because they didn't, they didn't decide to make a decision. What about Abraham? Abram. God said, hey, um, I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been before. And you're going to become a great nation. If Abram said, well, I don't have any kids. I'm getting old. I don't really want to leave. Because I'm pretty comfortable here. How things would have been different here in the 21st century. We got to get out of what we can't do and our limitations about what we're capable of doing and just in our soul and our guts do what God has asked us to do. It's called lordship. It's called lordship. There are plenty of people who told me I couldn't plant a church because I didn't know how and I didn't. And they were absolutely right. But I said, well, if God's doing something, we might just try it, right? We might just, why not just try it? Why not? What is call, God calling you to do right now that you're calculating in your head? Get out of your head, right? Get, get out of your head. It will trip you up and stumble you all the days of your life. Because you'll read the scripture and you're like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. And you're right. You can't do it. And that's the whole idea. The Lordship declares that he will do it through you and in spite of you. That's Lordship. That's, that's the gospel. That's, that's what we see in the Old and the New Testament. God using regular people, some very smart. The Apostle Paul was brilliant, but broken. Incredibly smart, but on the wrong path. Knew more than anybody else in the room but knew nothing about God. So he takes smart people and he takes dumb people. So I'll be on the dumb end and Paul will be on the smart end. And then everybody in between. God will take dumb people and make them pretty, pretty brilliant. Others, not me. <laughs> he will take, but this is the reality of who God is. So what, what are you not doing with your time, talents, and treasure that you know that God has called you to step out and to do. What are, you, what are you not doing? And then why not? So get up. I'll tell you what I told that 22-year-old, and I'm out of time in 10 seconds. <laughs> get up tomorrow. No, don't start tomorrow because you might forget it. Like, do it right now. You say, well, it doesn't make sense. I've got a plan for my time. I've got a plan for my talent. 
and I've got a plan for my treasure, and I like my plan better than God's plan. If that's your perspective, then just acknowledge Jesus is not the Lord of my life, right? But don't lie about lordship and betray yourself and betray the Lord. Don't, don't say, just be intellectually and spiritually honest. Then God's got, you know, he's got something to work with. But don't say, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. But there's no such thing as a but, except for in my joke, <laughs> where the diver was embarrassed because he saw the bottom, ocean's bottom. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> JoJo's the man. He got the 10 bucks today, by the way. So what have, what have we learned? We're kind of wrapping up here. What have... What have we learned and what are we going to do about it? So it's a twofold question. And maybe you're like, I've heard this before, but I've like never done anything about it. So what are you going to do about it? How, do, how does this challenge your perspective? Who wants to go first? I can pick somebody. I mean, it's not hard. I actually don't mind putting somebody on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, just let God fill your calendar. I mean, you're, there's things we got to do. You got to buy groceries. You got to do whatever. You got to get your car serviced. And so you're not saying, Lord, should I get my car serviced? You're, you're like, I, maybe you're saying, Lord, is this a good day or whatever? But, you know, there's just regular response. We're not, it's not mystical. It's like, you know, you got to take a shower. You know, you got to eat. You know, you got to, you know, do all of those things. So, Lord, what, what is it that, you want to do with my day. And so if you've got people in your calendar that you've got to connect with, connect with them, but then say, Lord, I don't want to just operate out of my own understanding or wisdom. Lord, if there's something that is life-giving that you want me to speak to this person, would you just show me what to speak? And then by faith, I'm going to step out and say that or pray for that or whatever. But Lord, I, you're leading. So I just want to follow, see you doing it. I want to do it hear you saying it, I want to say it. So it's not mystical. It's not hard. It's just, but it does require that we submit, that we submit. Who else? Jolene, what have you, it's my beloved, just putting her on the spot again, second service. What have you learned and what will you do about it? Yeah, well, I think for me, like the default is always fear, you know, because I like mm. prepared for what's coming and so I think just laying down that that fear the lie that that God's plan is something for to be feared when all he's ever done is be faithful to me when I step out he always shows up it's the most exciting and awesome and powerful amazing place to be and yet I think the enemy just turns it around Oh, no, it's scary. It's different. It's going to be, you know, it's not the same as it was last time. And so, you know, I'm stepping out of this different way in faith. And so I think just acknowledging I don't want to agree with the enemy. He's lying to me and saying this is a scary thing when God has never been anything but someone I can trust, someone who has the best plan. So I'm going to miss out if I don't step out and walk in this plan he has for me. No, who the most godly person in our household is? <laughs> it's, 
is Jolene. <laughs> She's the reason, that's the reason I fell in love with her right there. The fear in our culture dominates our decision-making and our process. We, we are fearful about everything, and so we allow that fear to dictate to us what we will and will not do. And so remembering that God has always been good, he will always continue to be good. And when things are hard, because things always get hard in different seasons, he will be faithful. He will be faithful. Just being obedient to when the Lord is putting on your heart, just step out in faith mm. is what I found the biggest. And I've seen opportunities when I felt the tugging of my from the Lord and I've missed out because of fear. And then I see how what came to pass of it. And the Lord could have used me for yeah. that. But yet I didn't. So the biggest thing is when the Lord, and if you step out in faith and it doesn't, you don't see anything, but you, you are obedient to the Lord. And that's just what he wants from you. The most. Yeah. Yeah. We walk by faith and not by sight. Heather. I can second what she's saying. Okay. Um, I think when you're called to something and you do it, there's a blessing in it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's blessing in it, right? Yeah. So when you're called to do something and you step into it, there's blessing. Yeah. Jim, Kessler, you. Oh, I was trying to hide behind this. No. Nope. <laughs> a bald guy hiding behind a bald guy. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, you know what? I, I'm sitting next to my wife, right? I got to let the Lord be in control of my attitude towards my in-laws. Uh, that's rubber meets the road reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I can't go into detail right now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it would all, like, resonate, right? Yeah. So lordship doesn't give you permission to harbor a bad attitude towards your in-laws, right? Okay. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> no, I think that the first. Come up here. Does he, do we have a microphone? Yeah, get get a microphone from your wife. There, there we go. This is my mini me here. But he's actually bigger than me. <laughs> You're a little whiter. I'm a little whiter? Yeah. Whiter? Yeah. Like W-H-I-T? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Just call me fat in his own loving way. All right. Go ahead. Tell us what you've learned and what you're going to do about it. Um, I think it's weird being up here. Um, I think, I think um, the first thing that you talked about um, when you talked about Aslan in uh, you know, the Narnia books and C.S. Lewis, um, I was thinking about uh, how Lucy went up to Aslan, and that, what I remember about Lucy in, in those books is that she was very, um, she was like the most committed to Aslan and the most believing and the strong, her faith was the strongest in Aslan as that symbol of Christ in the books and in the movies. And um, I think, you know, when Aslan was like, oh yes, I'm, I'm bigger because you're older, but she was older and, and wiser and she had grown in her faith. And so I think that 
that growth in her faith had allowed Aslan to grow in her life. So God was bigger in her life because her faith had increased. And, uh, and so I think in the uh, inverse of that would be, you know, like letting that fear take hold and not, and then uh, I guess submitting to the fear rather than submitting to God. And, and, um, and then that, you know, Aslan would then shrink and become smaller. And, uh, and so I think, and, and then it can be harder and harder to hear the Lord and, and to, to feel that conviction of, hey, this is what, this is what God's calling me to do. And so um, I think just even those little things like, like you were saying over here about, you know, whether if you feel like God's calling you to do something, don't be fearful of it and, and step out in faith because you could use it and you could see the, the rewards down the road. Um, and, and not doing it in, in seeking that blessing or seeking that reward, but doing it out of, out of uh, that love for the Lord um, and that, you know, faith without actions is dead. So, yeah. That's, that's well, I'm enjoying this. What, are, what else? <laughs> <laughs> in this season of your life, being married for the last seven, eight months, this wonderful lady over here and in transition a little bit with your play, what, what, where is the Lord, Lord of your life and all of this decision making? Yeah, it's been, um, as, as many of you who have been married and outside of marriage may know, the communication aspect has been very difficult. Um, it's been, what's been difficult? Marriage? Commu yeah, <laughs> commu <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm not, I wasn't um, Yeah, the communication aspect has been really tough because we're, we're very different people. We're, like, we're pretty much exact opposites. And so in the way that we just communicate in daily life. It's like, it can be like the simplest thing, but it's just, we, we see it in complete opposite ways. So getting to that conclusion of like, oh, this is how I see it. So then it's just like, Lord, we need your help in, in just the simple day-to-day -day stuff. Like how, like even what time to do the dishes, you know? <laughs> it's like, just all the, the little things, like every, um, every, every little part of life. And so that's what, um, and then, you know, we're moving soon, so finding a new, new place to live. Just, just every little bit of our life we're just having to continually over and over again uh, be reminded it's like we need the Lord in this at this part of life is that every, all of life is difficult all of life there's decisions to be made that affect the rest of your life every day so have, being able to uh, submit those things to the Lord and, 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 and say hey this is you know this may seem small but it's going to affect us down the line and so in that communication thing being able to um, you know not let anything slide by or ignore things and, and just be on top of it. <laughs> do it alone, do it alone, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna invite the worship team up. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna go, ahead and, uh, gonna go ahead and pray us out for the day. Otherwise my dad will just keep asking me questions. So, um, so Thank you, Lord, for this day, for this time, this awesome message that Pastor Steve has brought today. We're so grateful to um, be able to listen and learn and just uh, take away all the little nuggets of wisdom and all the little alliterations and the, and the, you know, circling back to the jokes about the ocean's bottom and just all, all the little things. They, they, they seem little, but they, they, they keep our attention and they keep us um, focused on the message and focused on what, um, what we're learning through it. And so we just pray that uh, throughout this week, we just, uh, our focus would remain on you, Lord, that that would be the first and foremost, most important thing, and that we, when we encounter those people that need to hear about you, and you are telling us 
and urging us to communicate with them and to reach out to them. We pray that we would respond and be faithful and, and, to, and just remember to love you. And that when we get that voice in our ear that's telling us, hey, this is weird or this is awkward or this is, you know, this isn't what society does today. Like, why, why would you do that? You're going to be judged and they're not going to appreciate it. Because the reality is people love being loved and people need to be loved. And we need to be love and light for the Lord and for Jesus because he sacrificed it all so that we could be that for him. So I just pray that we be that this week, Lord. In Jesus' name. Church, will you stand as we worship? Thank you, Father, that this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of saying your name, of praising you and lifting you high. 
Thank you for the authority we have in you. You never leave us and you never forsake us. Would you go before us this week? Would we remind ourselves to call on you at any moment, at any time? It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.